Good morning. Let's get straight to markets. Take a look at the impact for the indices. Factual. Succinct. All you need to know before your trading day starts. Subscribe to our newsletter, CNBC's Daily Open. Hello and welcome to Beyond the Valley, the podcast that explores the world of tech. I'm Tom Chitty and with me is CNBC senior tech correspondent Arjun Karpal. So, a generative AI deepfake triggers a national security crisis. That's according to Saxo Bank's annual outrageous predictions for the new year. But is it really outrageous? While it may not have triggered a national security crisis, politicians have already become victims of deepfake content. In this week's episode, we'll discuss how deepfakes may be the biggest threat that AI poses, not just to us, but also to the technology's very existence. Beyond the Valley. Hi, Arjun. How are you? I'm good, Tom. How are you? I'm okay. I'm okay. You've been uh, out and about this past week, haven't you? I was at a conference in Helsinki, Finland, called Slush. Uh, it's one of Europe's largest tech conferences. And obviously, if you check CNBC's social media, TikTok and Instagram, you'll see one of the short videos I posted. It looks like a nightclub. You saw that. That's shameless promotion. It, absolutely shameless. <laughs> Platform promotion. Yeah. But not on this podcast, Arjun, for goodness sake. Sorry. Can I just say your coffee smells absolutely fantastic. Thanks very much. Well, that's a that's probably down to a, uh, a vacuum lock, uh, an airlock container that I use after I've ground the beans. Um which just changer. keeps it fresh. It is. It is. Because you got. I mean, you can't bring your grinder to work and start. You know, whizzing up beans. Exactly. There'll be a. You know, a kerfuffle in the office. I imagine. And uh, but I still want that freshness. You know. I think that's. If you talk to any coffee snob, and I wouldn't call myself a coffee snob, though I do increasingly sound like it. Um, I feel like you exhibit signs of coffee snobbery, as do I. You just just admit it. Yeah, you're using you know filters and all sorts. Yeah. It's like a it sort of lo- looks like the kitchen's like a science lab in the morning. You know, you've got sort of filters. You've got you with your vacuum sealed <laughs> pot, and we're just missing the lab coats. Just the lab coats, yeah. That's next. Yeah, yeah. we'll get beyond the valley branded ones, so that'd be nice. Um, I'm sure the office will love that. <laughs> um, so um, we're going to uh, be talking about deep fakes uh, today, uh, but later in the episode, we'll also be talking about uh, Grand Theft Auto with a leaked trailer giving many gamers a first glimpse of the sixth instalment of the popular video game. That is actually one game that I have uh, have played played a lot back in the day. Uh, and we'll also be talking about NVIDIA. The California-based chip designer has been in discussion with the US government about making sure its new chips for the Chinese market are compliant with export restrictions. But before we get into that, we've got to hear Arjun's stat of the week, which is... A bit different this week, Tom. You know I always throw out massive numbers at you? Billions and millions. Today's number, $11. $11, wow. I borrow your pen you can borrow my pen yeah uh, that's almost how much i won in the lottery oh recently. no are we going to talk about we're not that? Going to talk about the lottery this is all spot euro millions people it's a it's a dangerous black hole <laughs> arjun's very annoyed because he got quite a few numbers this week for the i think what was the jackpot 109 something 190 million 190 like million pounds Sort of life-changing, I imagine. Yeah, pretty life-changing. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, you got how many numbers? 
I think I got like, you know, four four of the numbers. Four of the seven. Four of the seven. And you, how much money did you get? You know, £7.90, which is great. Love it. Um, just I just thought for that effort, you may just, you know, get better rewards, but clearly, clearly not. Doesn't work like that, apparently. Um, but I will be going again. But it's a rollover, people. This isn't supposed to be promoting the Why Euro not? Millions. No. For our listeners, if you do want to know what our numbers are or discuss the Euro Millions, then you can email the show at beyondthevalley at cnbc.com and I'm sure we will reveal them back to our main story. In November, only a few weeks ago, an audio recording was doing the rounds on social media that appeared to reveal the Mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, calling for Armistice Day to be rescheduled due to a pro-Palestinian march. Sadiq Khan said the deepfake was created to sow seeds of hatred and division and warned that democracy was on a slippery slope if deepfake content isn't regulated. How far down this slippery slope are we, Arjun, and is regulation the only answer? We're getting there. Uh, Technology is advancing quickly. AI... Uh, as we've talked about on multiple episodes of Beyond the Valley so far, is advancing quickly. And in particular, that strand of AI we've been talking about, generative AI, the type uh, that refers to some of the products like ChatGPT, for example. Um, it is it is moving quickly, and we've discussed some of the, the, the cool things about it. But we have also briefly touched, and in this episode, we're going to dig further into some of the dangers around that top technology, one of those being deepfakes. And I think... If you imagine what deepfakes can do, and we'll talk a bit about more exactly what they are, if you imagine that you could have doctored fake images of very, very high-profile people, leaders uh, of the world, celebrities, etc., you you imagine the kind of dangers that poses to um, the ability to convince people of things that aren't true. Yeah. I mean, my first um, experience of deepfake was that chap who looked like Tom Cruise, who was using deepfake technology to recreate. Um, he, he had a similar look to, to Tom Cruise, which I think was, you know, helping the situation. But his face was was Tom Cruise. And he was then giving out lines from his films, famous lines. And, um, yeah, it was really, uh, really quite shocking how realistic it was. Um, before we get into it any further, I want to just caveat the, the predictions that... The the reason why we're talking about deepfakes was off the back of this um, these outrageous predictions, um, which Satya Bank uh, publish uh, every year, um, and they they focus on a series of unlikely but underappreciated events that, if they were to occur, would send shockwaves across the financial markets. The forecasts are not representative of the bank's official views. The bank has made a set of outrageous predictions each year for the last decade, and some have actually come true, or at least come close um that naming a few germany uh they predicted in 2019 would enter recession and um that bitcoin would triple in value from the current seven seven hundred dollar level to two thousand one hundred dollars back in 2017 god the good old days just to give you a little um summary of their uh, deep fake prediction, outrageous prediction. Gen AI hailed as a productivity boon becomes a national security threat after a daring AI deep fake heist against a high ranking official in a developed country. Governments crack down on AI with new regulations, puncturing the AI hype as 
venture capitalists flee, the industry, public distrust in AI-generated news soars and governments impose new laws, allowing only a small group of entities to disseminate public news. I'm putting that voice on to make it seem... It's it's supposed to be, you know, drama. Um, it's a little bit outrageous, hence the, the weird voice. Um, but um, it's... It's it's scary, um, particularly when it's already kind of happened, not to this extent, but that deepfakes are already happening um, on social media and online. Arjun, how do they work? So the first the first thing to just flesh out is a deepfake could be a video, photo, audio, effectively some form of media um, that seems real but has been manipulated using artificial intelligence. Uh, and it works, they created using AI algorithms. You effectively have to have to train an algorithm for hours or, or on hours of real footage or real audio of the person that you're trying to impersonate effectively to give it a realistic, um, let's call it understanding or, or view of what that person looks like, what that person sounds like. And then you combine all that with that, that that trained algorithm or trained network, sometimes they call it, with sort of computer graphic techniques to superimpose a copy of the person onto a different actor or to sort of uh, try to, to create a, or, or synthesize a piece of audio uh, off their voice, um, for example. Um, and, you know, they can use an original video source of the target where the person is being made to say or do things that they never did. Um, or they can swap that person's face onto another individual. And so that those are some of the examples around around what we call deep fakes. And um, when we when we see a deep fake, is there any way of being able to actually detect what a what it looks like i think when i see one there are there are th certain things i don't know what it maybe it's like a it feels too polished or that there's slight glares and things like that that maybe are sort of around the the uh the, the sort of main focus of the deep fake whether it's a person um what, what what are the signs yeah you're right all of those things sort of almost glitches in the oh, image okay. right so uh, there was a really interesting um project I came uh, across from from the MIT Media Lab, and they actually laid out a few of the ways you can detect deep face. A couple of examples, for example, they say, pay attention to the cheeks and forehead. Um, mm. Does the skin appear too smooth or too wrinkly? Is the agedness of the skin similar to the agedness of the hair and eyes? Deep fakes may be incongruent on some dimensions. So you can, like I said, you can look at the pictures. Does it does it look like the person? Is it is it tallying up? Um, Pay attention to eyes and eyebrows. Do shadows appear in places you'd expect? Um, deep fakes may fail to fully represent the natural physics of a scene. Now, think about it. If you're training um, a, an algorithm on lots of lots of videos, what if there were you didn't quite capture all the angles or all the lighting scenarios, right? Mm. That, that would reflect in, in the yeah. eventual deep fake um, that is created. Um, this is a good one as well. Pay attention to the glasses. Is there any glare? Is there too much glare? Does the angle of the glare change when the person moves, as it would do in, in a natural scenario? Um, once again, deepfakes may fail to fully represent the natural physics of lighting. Um, so all of those things. This, <laughs> this is another one. Pay attention to blinking. Does the person blink enough or too much? So, so there are there are signs. I mean, you've you got to really watch. A yeah. I, I don't know about you. When we watch videos online, you're not always paying 100% attention to all those details. Yeah. Um, 
And it feels like we're going to have to sort of change our behavior to some extent to, to really, you know, focus on what we're, particularly when we're watching things around news or, or around, you know, events that are purported to be true. I think we're going to have to start paying a lot more attention to detail. Yeah. I, I, again, taking my own experience, I remember seeing a video um, on Instagram of a guy saving a dog from an tr oncoming train on a train track, which looked like, um, you know, an incredible act of bravery. But then I looked down in the comments and someone was like, no, this is a fake. Look at the shadow of the train. It doesn't. And I was like, oh, well, <laughs> I could have gone away if I hadn't seen those. I'm gone. Told my mates. Oh, wow. Well, I just saw a <laughs> of this guy saving this person. Uh, or person. Uh, dog. Um, <laughs> uh, um, that's, so, the, that's the dangers of it, yeah. isn't it? That's, you you just, can look at things and you start to question, you know, is that true? Did that really happen? Just uh, is these these things that we need to look out for, is this the same things that the authorities are looking out for? Is there a way, is there, it sounds, it sounds quite primitive the ways, you, you know, you've got to pick up on shadows, lighting, eyebrows. Is there a more official way of deciphering whether a video is a deep fake or not? So these are some of the signs that authorities are looking out for, but also they're increasingly trying to counter some of this AI with other AI, right? So there's other tools, AI tools that are being used to detect those deep fakes. For example, Intel's got a product called Fake Catcher, um, which uh, technology they claim can detect fake videos with 96% accuracy. You've got uh, technology from a company called Sentinel. Microsoft has its own fake video detector as well. So there are an increasing number of tools being released by technology firms to attempt to counter deep fakes. So I think what you will begin to see is, is almost like when we were talking um, last week about ransomware and we started to discuss about uh, sort of AI being used by the, the ban actors and um, our guest from Checkpoint was saying, well, it's, it's about countering AI with more AI. Very similar thing happening here in terms of... Um, the ability to use AI tools to counter deep fakes. And I think you're going to see more increase. And it's, it's almost like cat and mouse game. You know, uh, the, the people, people doing deep fakes may use increasingly sophisticated technology. Those trying to track those down and counter that will begin to also try to use more sophisticated uh, uh, tools to try to detect that as well. It, it sounds like a great business model because, I mean, I'm imagining the AI that a lot of these tech companies are developing is then being used by these people creating deep fakes and then the same tech companies who created the AI are now creating anti-deepfake AI. So win-win. Win-win. Sounds about right. <laughs> Sounds great. <laughs> Sounds about right. And, and I mean, you, you talk about some of the dangers. There's, there's so many potential misuses of this technology. I think technology, when you look at it, always has two sides to it. You know, the, the pros and the, the brilliant things that can forward humanity and help the world. And then there's those that really do pose pose a threat. And you think about some of the, the terrible ways and awful ways deep fakes are being used. Um, firstly, faking uh, fake news, spreading misinformation, but increasingly, and, and it's being used a lot in particular against women, uh, and to create revenge porn or deep fake porn videos uh, as well. This is a real issue, and this is something that's ruining people's lives. Um, and that's a huge, huge, one of the biggest problems with deep fakes right now it, is it being used in this way. Um, and so that's something that authorities are looking at very closely. Um, 
And as I mentioned, fake news spreading disinformation and, and this national security risk, which I think is fascinating, what Saxo Bank have brought up here. Subscribe to the Squawkbox Europe Express podcast. Join Steve, Karen and myself, Arabile, in unscripted and dynamic debate around the day's top stories with first and exclusive interviews of the best in business and global newsmakers, original points of view and instant analysis of the latest business news and key market themes. Get set for the day ahead. Squawkbox Europe Express podcast, now available on Spotify, Apple Music and Google Podcasts. When it comes to regulation and, and the the laws around this, you know, um, revenge porn or things like that has become increasingly uh, problematic, and and the authorities have really cracked down on that. But when it, but with this, I mean, are there laws in place to counter deep fake or, or to 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 put people in prison who are creating these deep deep fakes, which are so harming? It's patchy at the moment in terms of the rules, regulations, a lot of grey areas as well. So, you know, are deep fakes illegal? Well, let's run through a few cases. In the case you brought up at the start regarding the London Mayor um, Sadiq Khan, um, the Metropolitan Police, which is the, the, the London Police Force, said that it does not constitute a crime, which is interesting. You know, someone's been impersonated. There have been, you know, fake news uh, or fake audio recordings been released, and, and that doesn't constitute a crime. And what seems to be the general theme uh, across the world at the moment is that if the deep fake doesn't necessarily violate existing laws, then it's not necessarily illegal. Um, so there's no wide sweeping deep fake regulation, except for in China, which we'll come on to in a bit. But we have seen patchwork kind of regulation in various countries trying to address some of these issues. So here in the UK, um, they're looking, the government's looking to criminalize deep fake intimate image. So some of those images around pornography, etc., that we've revenge porn that we have um, tried, uh, we have talked about, and, and those they're trying to criminalize. Um, in in, in uh, the US, they've taken a more state by state state approach. Very few states have actually introduced regulation around deep fakes. You had California in 2019. They made it illegal to create or distribute video images or audio of politicians doctored to resemble real footage um, within 60 days of an election. So that's trying to attempt to tackle that that political and threat to democracy. Exactly. Um, they also uh, banned pornographic deep fakes. Uh, as well. So again, attempting to to go after a very specific and very damaging issue for many people as well. Now in China, very, very different uh, approach. They were one of the first to bring out deepfake regulation, but also their regulation goes a lot further than elsewhere. It's a lot more wide sweeping. Um, they introduced in January 2023, a, a regulation governing what they call deep synthesis technology, which R relates to deep fakes um, and some of the key provisions for example are this users must gives, give consent if their image is to be used in any deep synthesis technology um, so that will tackle a number of issues from the pornographic issue to the political issue for example um, deep synthesis services cannot use the technology to disseminate fake news um, deep fake services need to authenticate the real identity of users so if you're you're going on a, a website to create deep fakes your real identity must be used. Now, this is a very uh, China-specific thing. Um, if, to use any internet services there, you usually have to sign up with an ID card or, or, or a phone number that's linked to your ID card. So a lot of the services you use in China, you're already uh, linked to your real identity. Um, synthetic, 
synthetic content must have a notification of some kind to inform users that the image or video has been altered with the technology. So effectively like a watermark. And that's something I know a lot of Western regulators are also looking into how to flag that this is a deep fake. This is an AI altered image. Um, that's another uh, a part as well. Um, so interestingly, uh, very recently, the China cyberspace regulator got around 110 applications from big tech companies there to get their um, AI generated content systems approved as well. So, mm-hmm. you know, the, the tech companies are going to regulate saying, look, we've got this tool that can be used to make deep fakes or deep synthesis uh, images, video or text. Um, we obviously need your approval for it. And so that's how it's happening at China. So I'm not saying it's a perfect system or, or that enforcement is certainly tough of this, um, but clearly they're going after it in a very different way to the rest of the world at this point. Yeah, I mean, China's China. It's, it does operate in a slightly different way than um, other Western countries. And um, one thing I was going to bring up, though, is that you know we're, we're talking about the most serious sort of crimes when it comes to deep fakes, um, and that the authorities are sort of trying to address those. But then there are also the sort of medium crime, you know, deep fakes, which could be embarrassing, could you know potentially harm someone's career but it's not on a level where it's um you know destroying people's lives or or threatening democracy itself and i imagine again the authorities are going to focus first on the more serious stuff and then you know down the line eventually they're going to have the ability to address what will be thousands of deep deep fakes and and this technology is only going to improve and become easier to use for for you know everyone on social media. Yeah, absolutely. And I think, you know, the, the China example is interesting. A lot of that makes sense to me, right? Like if someone's going to deep fake you, um, they should ask your permission. But the question is, if you're, I don't know, in another country and you've you've sort of created a deep fake of me, uh, how am I going to, firstly, I'm going to have to come across that or someone's going to have to flag that to me. I may just never come across it. Uh, and secondly, you know, how are you going to get in touch with me and ask my permission, even if you really wanted to, yeah. um, you know, when you're doing it out of the goodness of your heart and you were creating something wonderful of me, I don't know, I doubt, but you know, how would, you know, all of these things are difficult, you know, yeah, the legal systems, the money it requires to chase and resolve these issues to find, you know, the authorities to, to, to get them to bring, bring this video or this audio recording down. Um, it's it's a minefield, really, isn't it? And and it goes back to that point, you know, how, how do you get to some sort of global consensus on these rules? You know, even in the US alone, they're going state by state and barely any states have introduced any deep fake regulation. Uh, the EU is looking at it with EU AI Act and other, other rules and how it, how it integrates with other uh, laws in the EU. But it's still a long way off. And, you know, right now, it, it kind of feels deep fakes are in a bit of well, very gray area legally. Uh, it's a bit of a sort of wild west with this technology. And it's a problem you feel that's going to get a lot worse before the regulation catches up and before the authorities cotton onto it. But it's something, because of how quickly it's moving, it's something that really authorities, governments around the world are going to need to focus on very, very closely. And I think that's why, just to bring it back now, I think that's why the Saxo Bank prediction, outrageous prediction, is so interesting because it is outrageous, um, but there are parts of it that I think are fascinating. Um, they're, they're effectively arguing here, and this this is, you know, from the from the prediction. In a high stakes game, a criminal group deploys the most deceptive generative AI deepfake the world has ever seen. 
phishing a high-ranking government official to hand over top-secret state information from a developed com- country. We spoke about phishing. Effectively, that's when someone sends you uh, an email or some sort of correspondence that looks legit, but if you click a link or, or something happens or, or you respond to it thinking it's a real person, you may hand over some secret. That's what they're saying. You may hand over some confidential information. And what they effect, effectively say is this is going to trigger the biggest national security crisis since World War II ushering in a new era of far-reaching AI regulations. So Saxo Bank saying that as a result of this big risk that one government um, faces, what happens next is that governments start to crack down. This is the thing. This is the straw that breaks the camel's back and, and forces governments into action on AI regulation. Um, and as a result, they say, particularly in the US and EU, according to Saxo Bank, they declare all content produced by generative AI should have the label made by AI. And failure to comply will lead to a harsh penalty. That's not outrageous. That's sort of what China is looking to do and trying to do with AI-generated content. Um, In an even bigger blow to the generative AI hype, Saxo says, the government forces OpenAI and Google to rein in third-party access to their foundational large language model on national security grounds, meaning that only government-approved entities are allowed to use the new generative AI system. So they take it even further and say, well, Google OpenAI, you can't just, you know, sell your tools to any company. You can't sell your tools to any uh, country. Only uh, entities approved by the government can use those tools. That will be a harsh clampdown. Now, maybe that part feels like a stretch, but certainly labeling videos made by by AI um, could be a step we see in regulation. It's something being uh, dis- discussed. And I think the bigger biggest result is this. According to Saxo, governments make harsh laws that only news organizations approved by the government are allowed to disseminate news to the public in a big blow to social media platform and non-compliant news organizations. Again, that's a bit of a stretch. But what Saxo is arguing is this move by government results from a big outcry from the public who lose trust in AI and who who are worried about the political and uh, other social ramifications of this technology. And that's that's fascinating. And just to flesh this out a bit, I caught up with Steen Jakobsen, who's the chief investment officer at Saxo, just to give us a bit of a deeper dive into this prediction. Also, his experiments or his team's experiments with this deep fake technology. So if you think about, you know, reverse engineering, what could stop, what could slow down sort of the use of AI, and we, and, and for the record, we're not saying AI should be stopped, we're just saying the only way it could be stopped is this national security. So imagine some official this day in the world of finance and say, all of a sudden, uh, Jay Powell is leaking documents online with his voice, they uh, have taped recordings, they even have uh, videos showing that he's leaking documents to... Uh, 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 ex-investment uh, bank on Wall Street and, and no one can 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 authenticate that it's not true or it's not what he's doing. And, and that, of course, will, will create a national security crisis or even worse, the uh, national security advisor is seeing having dodgy uh, bag alley uh, conversations with uh, uh, terrorist organizations who strike a deal. None of it's true, but so... The, the status of deepfake today is we can do absolutely anything. I mean, my own uh, in, internal uh, protection uh, security department did a deepfake of my voice, and I was scared. I mean, really scared. Fortunately, they made me say, "I'm a my name is Dean Jacobs, and I'm a potato." But but uh, and and that's something that could be. You know, think about the religious hatred could have been. Uh, you know, anti-evoke something, anti-someone personally. So I think the the risk of a national security escalation is the only thing that can contain AI. 
And it would be something like, uh, let's say it's, it's a, a national security advisor who's compromised in citation market. Then, of course, the government will step up, the uh, Ministry of Justice will chain up and say, listen, we need to uh, stop having third-party sharing on Microsoft and OpenAI and all and, and Google. Uh, we need to contain these databases. It needs to be limited use. It needs to be authorized. It needs to come with regulation because the only way we're going to get any kind of sort of uh, guardrails on AI, in our opinion, is uh, through that path. So, Steen Jacobson there of Saxo saying his team deepfaked him to show him he was worried. I'm worried. I'm just laughing the potato bit. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, that's... Thankfully, that was just a, a you know, a fun and a good example of, of, of his team showing him how worried um, they were and how worried he should be. And we all should be about some of this technology. Um, but unfortunately, it's not, not always the same for other people. The, the one thing, I mean, you know, if we... If the government cracked down too hard, national governments, you know, say, no, we're going to bring this under control and only, you know, government approved entities can have access to this this uh, deep fake technology. Again, the conspiracy theorists are going to go through the roof. And, you know, I, I, I've talked about this, you know, the series, The Capture, where essentially the government have been using, uh, you know, it's 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 fiction, but, you know, uh, have been using deep fakes to, you know, for their own means and their own ends. So um, if that also feels a bit, you know, um, murky uh, if the government is sort of cracked down too hard. Um, but, you know, there needs to be some address of the imbalance that there currently is. Let's move on um, and leave that story there for now um, and find out what else is happening beyond the valley. Beyond the valley. So Grand Theft Auto has... Uh, released well um, unofficially uh, a leaked trailer um of its new uh sixth installment of the game which is 10 years after the last uh, i think i think the last one grand theft auto 5 was was released in 2013 yeah well now 2023 a decade on we've got a trailer but the game's not coming out till 2025 yeah, I, I read that. Why why did they make a trailer um, more than a year in advance of the actual game? Build the hype. Released? Build the hype. Well, they were planning to release one anyway, but I think the, the trailer got leaked sure. online and they were they were forced to to bring out the official trailer. Um I mean build the hype. This game I mean, this game has probably you know been in been hyped for the last 10 years people are probably waiting for the next one i mean this this why, is a fantastic game why do you think it's taken so long for for them to bring out a new new version well, well i think partly it's it's they've been focusing on other games as well red dead redemption over the past few years um boosting that um but also you've played grand theft Auto. you've said in the past how intricate and detailed a game it is you know when you when you look at video games these days, particularly on some of the more higher powered consoles, you look you look at the intricacies and details of the game, from you know the scenery to the characters to the uh, dialogue. Uh, it's sometimes like watching a movie, um, and so I think it takes teams and teams, scores and scores and scores of developers to kind of create these games and to get it perfect and. You think about the the other thing is the added pressure of this being Grand Theft Auto, the anticipation of this being Grand Theft Auto. Tell. They'd want to get this right. So they'd rather build that. They know it doesn't matter. They could release it um, in 2026, 2027. People are still going to buy it in droves. Yeah. Um, this is a, a title that's going to you know sell very, very well. 
And so they want to get this right. They don't want this to come out and it'd be full of glitches and it get bad reviews, et cetera, et cetera, after this long wait. So I think it's partly that, the patience uh, from, the, from the company, the hype they'd like to build. That's all part of it. Just thinking back to when I used to actually play Grand Theft Auto, it was the combination between the sort of narrative arc that you could follow, but also that freedom to just go off and, you know, drive a car off a bridge, yeah. um, which was liberating. <laughs> it was. And also, um, it's just, it, it defined, it, a generation defined a game, it defined a genre as well, and it, it sort of changed changed the game. Yeah. Um, I mean, I, I was watching the trailer. What's cool is you get, you've got now got your first female lead, in yeah. Lucia. I thought it was great. Um, and then there was a weird part where an alligator was walking into a convenience store, I saw it. I think it was multiple alligators, actually. There multiple was, alligators. Uh, yeah. yeah, but it's set in Vice City, this one, right? Yeah. So, so it's F- Florida. It's Miami, yeah. essentially. But, you know, they're, they're playing on the whole sort of alligator, the gator. The gator, yeah. I, I wonder, they, Rockstar have another game, as I mentioned, called Red Dead Redemption. And uh, in that you can, uh, you know, you're you're sort of in the in in the wild west, um, and you can go around and you know skin alligator to build things. Uh, you know, not alpha. not just to skin for skin's sake. Yeah, not for, no, yeah. For, I think for meat and for for sort of building, you know, yeah. materials yeah, for right. for your clothes, your new boots, things. your new boots, yeah, <laughs> or, or, or a satchel, uh, your or saddle, something. your saddle. So maybe they've. Sort of taken some inspo from that one as well, but also yes, of course, the the whole alligators in in Florida. Well, maybe maybe I'll buy that game in twenty twenty five and we'll play online. We'll play. You told me you don't play games anymore. Yeah, Tom. well, you know, you'll come you'll out of retirement get, for this I'll one. Come out, yeah, exactly. The people <laughs> give the people what they want. You know. Um, okay, uh, let's go um, on to our next story, which is uh, about Nvidia. So some analysts have said that U.S. curbs on chip exports to China could benefit benefit uh, Chinese rivals to the California-based um, chip designer NVIDIA. So how big a story is this when it comes to NVIDIA's future um, you know, sales uh, to China? Big deal. Big deal, Tom. Quick timeline, October 2022, um, U.S. government brings in some export restrictions restricting the export of certain chips uh, for AI tools and other sort of advanced computing tools to China. This meant that NVIDIA couldn't ship um, a chip over there called the H100, which was one of its most advanced chips at the time that were underpinning a lot of these AI apps. Um, Then NVIDIA created a sort of slightly toned down version of that called the H800 and A800. These were lower spec. They got around the export restrictions. That was all going well and they were shipping that to China. Then the US government tightened those restrictions and stopped those ships um, being shipped to China. Now NVIDIA is saying that it wants to work with the US government to figure out what it can and cannot ship to China potentially opening the door to create a new chip that complies with these export restrictions as well. It's a huge market. Mm. It's, it's, it's a massive, massive market for NVIDIA. It's a massive market for chips. Um, two results. NVIDIA could, if there is no way around this, see a substantial hit to its revenue uh, and particularly its its future as well in the Chinese market. Uh, and secondly, I think this does uh, give a lot more um, tailwind for the local Chinese players, such as Huawei, uh, who are creating, uh, and Baidu, who are creating uh, AI chips um, to, uh, you know, 
train all this data and underpin a lot of these generative AI applications we've been speaking about over the past few weeks here on Beyond the Valley as well. It's a delicate balance, uh, delicate balance for the US government, isn't it? Isn't it? Because Nvidia, ultimately, you know, as the biggest player in this market, you know, they want to retain that the US government. They want a US company being the leaders. So they still want, you know, and if they lose that Chinese market, then ultimately they are, you know, Chinese companies are going to develop, uh, are going to improve um, their own chips. And, you know, suddenly you have more competition. That's not good for the US government. But it's that balance, isn't it, of trying to, you know, realize that if they, you know, pull up the drawbridge, then that's not going to help them either. Yeah, it's 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 a tough one. You know, they clearly feel national security needs to be the priority. That's that's the reason they've cited for all of these curbs against Chinese tech companies that we don't want our technology getting into the hands of Chinese companies that may then go on to use that in military purposes or other purposes as well. And so that's what they're trying to aim to to block out with with a lot of these um these export curbs. Um but yeah, you're right. I mean, this does cut off substantial commercial opportunities for their tech companies. And, you know, many see this as being emboldening China's own domestic industries. Uh, and if that's the case, then potentially on the world stage, if the Chinese companies, that's a big if as well, if the big Chinese companies can catch up within this technology uh, and can catch up quickly, um, so far all signs point towards them being a little bit behind the US, um, particularly on the semiconductor front. But if they can catch up, then that then opens up Chinese companies, um, not just in China, but on the world stage uh, as well, and, and potentially going head to head with NVIDIA in other countries as well. Okay, um, let's, uh, let's uh, round up with our stat of the week. Arjun? $11. Eleven dollars. You know, when you tell me at the start of the episode, I'm trying to concentrate on what you're saying, but also in the back of my mind, I'm trying to think what eleven dollars could be referring to. And um, yeah, I, this one has proved tricky. Um, is it how much it costs to create a deep fake? Yes, by one estimation, yes. So it's obviously very hard to quantify. Yeah. You know, I was, it's quite broad, but yeah. It's quite broad, but it's also very hard to quantify, you know, how much it costs to make a deep fake. But th this stat I pulled from an NPR story um, from March this year. It was very interesting. Um, a person called Ethan Mollick, a professor um, at the University of Pennsylvania's Wharton School, he created a deep fake of himself uh, try, uh, to try out the technology. Um, so he created a script uh, through ChatGPT. Um, asking ChatGPT to generate a script based on you know what he said publicly, etc., um, and then he used a deep fake AI tool um, to eventually create a deep fake video of himself talking with this uh, script. Mollick spent eleven dollars and just eight minutes making it. Oh my goodness! Shows you how easy it is. Yep, it's getting. It's only going to get easier. Yeah. Um, so while while these services are allowed to proliferate, um, but yeah, that eleven. Well done, Tom. Thank you. This is the penultimate episode, by the way. Yeah. So you're ending the year on a high. Well, that, that, that'll be next. That'll be next episode. I'll need to make sure that I, um, you know, come out on top there. Otherwise, that Christmas period is going to be very difficult. On <laughs> on that um, note, uh, as Arjun mentioned, uh, next week is our le last episode for the year, and we will be back on the 9th of January. I think um, will be our first episode of. 
2024. Um, but that's it for this episode. Uh, before we go, uh, please follow and subscribe to the show. And if you have any questions on tech, remember you can email beyondthevalley at cnbc.com and we will attempt to answer them on the pod. Uh, thank you, Arjun. Thank you, Tom. We'll be back next week for another episode of Beyond the Valley. Goodbye. Beyond the Valley.